In the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts, be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Okay, so tell the truth. Who doesn't love a riddle? I know you do. You love riddles. No, it, it, they're, they're infectious. You can't, you can't help but to love a riddle. For instance, what gets wetter and wetter the more it dries? Hmm. A towel. A towel gets wetter and wetter the more it dries, doesn't it? All right, here's another one. What goes all the way around the world and yet stays in the corner? A postage stamp. Oh, Mary, you knew that one, didn't you? I, thought, I could tell. She was on that one. Here, one more. The man who invented it doesn't want it. The one who bought it doesn't need it. And the one who needs it doesn't know it. What is it? It's a coffin. Yeah, right? The one who invented it doesn't want it. The one who bought it doesn't need it. And the one who needs it, he doesn't know it, right? A coffin. I love riddles. I mean, I, I love them. The only problem is I'm not clever enough to figure them out. And so I have to sit there and I think and I think and I think. And then somebody tells me and I say, yes, of course, that's right. And, you know, straight away you recognize it. How can something travel around the world and stay in a corner? Oh, it travels on an envelope. You know, I, oh, I get it. It takes me a while, but I love them. I love these little mysteries that are wrapped in puns and figures of speech. I mean, they're delightful, aren't they? I mean, they're just, they're just great fun. And I think, I think this all started with my, my love for mysteries. Even when I was just a, a, a small child, I remember reading these little books called Encyclopedia Brown. I don't know if any of you ever read those when you were children or, or had children. Around. They were these little uh, you know, grade school books that children would read about this kid who was really intelligent. He would figure out all these mysteries. And then I remember as I kind of graduated, I read more suspenseful novels and, and mysteries. And, and I think... I think that's where I developed this, this deep love for conspiracy theories that I have. You know, I'm, I don't know about you, but I have, I have a conspiracy theory about everything. I'm convinced that no sporting event is not fixed. It's on television. And even though I hope they fix the Ohio State Buckeyes to win tonight, I, I just believe inwardly that they're all fixed. Um, I believe that the government is hiding alien life forms somewhere in the Nevada desert, and uh, I want somebody to go find it, uh, you know, and... And, and I believe that Bigfoot really does um, track around the, the forest of North America. But, of course, everybody believes that, right? So it's not that big of a thing. Yeah, so, so these conspiracies and mysteries and, and all these... And, and you might think that I'm a little bit crazy. And if you think that I'm really crazy, then I'm going to think that you're in on the conspiracy. Uh, but uh, you might think that I'm a little bit crazy. But, but the truth is, is that we all sort of love a mystery. Love a little bit of... You know, a little intrigue, a little riddle to kind of figure out some sort of, of uncovering a clue. And Jesus seems to love them as well. See, he's gathered with his friends the night before Passover, probably a Seder meal. He's gathered with his friends in a, in a borrowed home. And this is a really big deal for them. I mean, this, this meal, this Passover meal is like, it's like for us Thanksgiving and Christmas all sort of wrapped up into one. You know, it's this... Big, big event, this great celebration, and, 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 and they're together, and they're having this meal. And Jesus begins to unravel, at least begin, not really unravel, but really just toss out before his friends a few riddles. One of them is, he gets up, and he puts on this towel. He takes off his outer robe, puts this towel around him, and begins to wash his friend's feet. He begins to act like a servant. 
And the, the riddle is, why does the master act like a servant, right? I mean, this is, why is he doing this? It kind of poses a question. The second thing he does is he, um, he looks at the, the group that's there and he says to them this kind, of, this kind of mysterious thing. I say to you, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now, this is riddle number two, and, and people are really creeped out by this one because you know what they're saying. Is it I, Lord? Am I the one? Certainly, I'm not going to do that. Who's sitting here? Who among your very best friends in the whole wide world would do such a thing? Nobody would betray you. That's just absurd. And to whom would they betray you? I mean, don't you remember just a couple days ago, they all wanted you to be king. Who's, who would? Why would they? What motive would anybody have to betray you? And yet you know, don't you? You're already ahead. You've read, you've read through the end of the story. You know that there are people there who are going to betray him. One has taken money to sell Jesus out. Another says, I will do anything. I will die for you if I have to. And you know that he's going to get down the street in the middle of the night and say, I never knew him. One of you will betray me. One of you probably isn't all that you think that you are. And the people are saying, hmm, who is it? I can't figure this riddle out, you know. This is, this is, a, uh, this is a, a confusing one. And then there's a third. This one's much more subtle, much more difficult to pick up on. And Jesus says to them, little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You will seek me, and just as I told the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And you're about to break out and say, oh, I know this one. I do. I know this one. I know where he's going. He is going to the Father. It says in the text, John let us in on this clue. He's going to heaven. Yes, but that's not the riddle. The riddle is when Jesus is going, how will people know who his authentic followers are? I mean, when he's no longer around, how will we be able to tell the difference between the charlatans and the frauds, and the traitors, and the, the people with good intentions that don't seem to live up to them. How will we know the difference between these sorts of people? How will we know those who name the name of Christ are really His disciples? Because let me tell you, there are a lot of people who name the name of Christ who are not His disciples. They have been from the beginning charlatans and frauds. They were there in the upper room with Jesus. Do we not think that they could be with us still today? Frauds, fakes, people who say they're disciples but are not. So if Jesus isn't around, who's going to check credentials? How are we going to know? Little children, a new commandment I give you. That you love one another just as I have loved you. Love one another just as I have loved you. Interesting vocabulary John uses here when he puts these words, he records these words of Jesus. John says, a new commandment. There are two words, at least that I know of, in Koine Greek that are used for new. One is neos, it's an N-E-O-S if you transliterate it. Um, it's where we get the word neo. And you know we use this all the time. This kind of means new or fresh, the latest version of um, neoconservatives or neo-Nazis in the worst part. Um, neo-realist, you know, neo-whatever. You know, this sort of fresh, new, modern take on something. This is new. This is what you would use for a baby. A baby is a new, fresh person, right? So this neos. But that's not the word Jesus uses, not the word that John records. There's another word 
that means new in Greek, and it's kainos. And this is kind of a new equality. If someone said, for instance, today, guess what? I've been playing around with that um, vocabulary software that I always forget the name of when I get up here. But uh, you know that one, the new uh, language software? Um, oh, it's the uh, uh, Rosetta Stone. That's it, yeah. They, they say, and guess what? <laughs> yeah, well, good job. Uh, the, I, learned, um, I learned French. I learned a new language. Now I can speak French. You wouldn't say to that person, Guess what? French has been around for a long time. It's not a new language. (laughs) You wouldn't say that at all, would you? Because you know that it's not new language. It's just new to them. This is the word that Jesus uses. I give you a new commandment. Guess what? The commandment has been around for a long, long time, hasn't it? This isn't new at all. Love one another. Leviticus Leviticus, you know that book that you get stuck on when you decide, I'm going to read the Bible all the way through this year. And you like hit Genesis running, and then you get to Exodus, and you're like, this is no problem, this is fantastic. And then you get to Leviticus, and you're like, oh my word, you know, uh, you've done that, right? In Leviticus, chapter 19, if you dug that far, here's a commandment, love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself, Moses writes in Leviticus 19. Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. See, it's not new. It's just new to these guys who are gathered around in this room. Listen, I want you to love one another. And now here's here's the hard part. Just as. Little word in Greek, kathos. Just as. In the same way. In very like manner. Exactly like you have seen me love you. This is how you are to love one another. The exact same way you have seen me love you, this is how you are to love one another. And listen, this is your credential. This is how people in the world will know that you really belong to me. This is your validation. This is how people will know that you're bona fide. Well, how does Jesus love his friends? It's right there in the text, wasn't it? He took off his robe, puts a towel around him, and washes their dirty, stinking feet. The feet of people who say that they will stick with him through thick and thin. And he knows. Do you think Jesus knows what's going to happen with Peter that night? Yes, that's a, that's a yes, not. Yeah, he knows, doesn't he? He knows this guy who says, I'll stick with you through thick and thin, will say, I never knew him. He washes the dirty, stinking feet of somebody he knows has taken money to sell him out. He washes the feet of traitors and and people who aren't nearly as as, uh, dedicated as they say. He washes the feet of people who have a lot of self-interest and he loves them. And you knew we were getting here, didn't you? You knew this was coming. And he says that they should, and by implication we should, love one another in the exact same way as he has. We do this often, not every year, we're not doing it this year, but often in, in the Anglican tradition we actually do a foot washing service. But this isn't about a liturgical act, is it? This is about service. It's about loving people with genuine love. Love one another with genuine love. 
And you say to me, okay, so what's that like? You know, I mean, if you had to say what genuine love is, what would you say constitutes genuine love? Well, I think genuine love is both affective and effective. Affective with an A. It is where we get the word affection, right? Genuine love has emotion behind it. It has feeling. It, it, is, um, it is kindly towards someone else. It is kindly dispossessed. It, it feels genuine and, and good and and positive towards another person. It's the husband who, who can't wait to get home from a trip so he can see his wife and be present with her. It's, um, it's a parent who wants their child to succeed at something because they just want their child to experience the goodness of that event. It's the grandparent who looks out and sees their little grandchild running down the driveway coming to them. And then two days later, running back out that driveway to go away from them. You know, it's that love, that genuine, you know, pitter-patter, inside, feel-good kind of love. It's affective. It's emotional. But it's not just gooey inward, is it? It's also effective. Genuine love actually does something. Love is a verb. It takes action in the world. It makes a difference. Love is something is it, it, love is what compels somebody to jump into an ocean and save somebody else who's drowning. Love is what causes someone to reach into their wallet and give money away to help someone else. Love acts heroically. And it does the little things too, like cook meals and wash clothes and bandage, you know, scraped up knees. Love feeds poor people and clothes needy people, provides medicine and hospitals. And love always protects dignity, doesn't it? It doesn't, it, 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 if it does kindly things, it doesn't do them in order to humiliate somebody, but to really make them feel better about themselves and to know that they are wanted and provided for and cared for. Love washes dirty feet, both literally and metaphorically. Our Lord said, you know, I'm going to go away. He always is going to be with us, right? I'll be with you even to the end of the day. But where I'm going, you cannot come. And guess what? (laughs) While I'm gone, things will be just like they were when I'm here. There will be frauds and charlatans and phonies and people who name my name and have no intention of doing what I do. And the riddle is, how will we know the difference? How will we know if we're the real thing? How will we know? How will others know if we are bona fide followers of Jesus? What's the criterion? What's the credential? Just one thing. Verse 35. 1335. By this will all people know that you are my disciples. If, I would say only if, you have love for one another. You love one another, just as I have loved you. Then the world will know that you are my disciples. That's a pretty heavy task. But it's the one we have. The question is, what's it going to be? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.